1: From a romantic candlelit dinner atop the upper deck, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind BattleBots.
0: I'm Chris. I'm Luke.
2: I'm Lindsay.
3: And I am Kyle.
1: And today on the podcast, our interview with lucky captain Mark Demmers and the bots driver Matt Olson.
2: We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Now, before we get to the news, I just wanted to call attention to a GoFundMe uh, campaign that we are hosting in honor of our friend Nonso Nolly. Nanso is a 19-year-old student. He uh, lives in the Delta state of Nigeria. And his dream in life is to become an engineer. And he has done a lot of steps as far as he can basically go um, with the resources he has right now to kind of achieve those dreams. He has worked a lot with Arduino. He has been learning C. He is a really cool kid. We video chatted now with him a couple of times. He is, I just like, he's so passionate about his interests, Um, but he needs, you know, some materials, some resources to kind of take the next step. And so um, we are basically hosting a GoFundMe campaign to try and raise money so that we can buy him some goods uh, and then ship them over to him um, and to his school. And that way, hopefully, he can take the next step and really achieve the career of his dreams. And he's a really good kid. He's really sweet. I'm just, like, continually blown away by how passionate he is about what he wants to do. And I think the nice thing is there are five other kids in his school that he's kind of, like, taken under his wing to try and teach the skills that he's learned um, and get them on board. And he's been talking about hopefully, like, building some – um, robots for like agricultural purposes, which sounds really cool. I don't know. He just has a lot of dreams. If you're interested, I uh, I highly encourage you to go throw a couple bucks to the GoFundMe because uh, I I think it's a great cause.
1: Yeah, super energetic kid that has you know really big dreams, but you know accessibility to those to the things that can make some of those come true just are not are not uh, you know in his area, and it's uh, it's a difficult challenge to try to get, um, uh, you know, things like 3d printers and materials and supplies to, uh, you know, Southern Nigeria, there's, there's a lot of red tape, uh, and you know, there's, there's a lot of things that you got to watch out for. So we're trying to, um, uh, you know, be logistical about it. If anybody knows, uh, anybody in international shipping, of course, we'd always love some, some advice in that department, but you know, we're happy on behalf of the bots to, uh, to sponsor this GoFundMe and, and and work with Nonso to try to get uh, some of these materials to his school, so we'd appreciate uh, anyone who's able to contribute. Take a look, see his videos, and
0: uh, and drop some coin.
2: Yeah, he's got a, a YouTube channel, which I think is pretty cool. So so go check that out too.
0: Chris, Lindsay, how can people get involved? Where can they find the GoFundMe?
2: The GoFundMe will be in our show notes. Uh, and then also, uh, you know, we, we've shared it once on Facebook. Maybe we'll share it again. But uh, if, if you can't find it or you're not able to get a hold of it, just uh, send us a message. I'll also say if you have robotics parts that maybe, um, you know, you're no longer needing, they were for an old design of a beetle weight that you're working on, you know, you just have spare anything that, that you have laying around that aren't going to be put to use Also, let us know. Um, We can arrange for them to get to us, and then when we ship everything out, we can include that because he's he's really hungry for robotics parts, which are just like not accessible to him, right? um, At you know, in his current situation. So, um, yeah, go check out the GoFundMe. The link will be in the show notes, or reach out to us if you have any extra parts or you have any questions.
0: Awesome! Very cool. Time for this week's combat robotics news. I have four news items for you today. First up, we're traveling to the wonderful land of data, brought to us by our friend Brent Von Kalamazoo, who's running the most popular BattleBots Fantasy League of the year. Six episodes into the season, Brent has tallied up his list of the best performing dark horses in the field, the bots that have outperformed the crowd's expectations. The top five are, in order, P1, Jackpot, tonight's guest, Lucky, Dragon Slayer, and Ribot. Check out Brent's full report on Reddit. We've included a link in this week's show notes. The team behind Bloodsport is already teasing the bot's Season 7 application video, which appears to suggest the bot could be returning to the competition with red glowing eyes. The 12-second teaser resembles a horror movie trailer, complete with the blood-stained words, Coming Summer 2022. On over to Pennsylvania, where top BattleBots builders will be competing this weekend at Motorama. Motorama was paused last year due to COVID. It's the largest competition of the year for the Northeast Robotics Club, which runs many of the local events on the East Coast. Check out details on the organization's Facebook page. Now, Kyle, I want to pause here. Uh, I've heard through the grapevine that you're thinking about possibly going to Motorama this weekend. Um, is it just the pretzels? Is it uh, <laughs> is it the thirty pounders? Like, uh, what what is it that uh, that would get you over uh, to a uh, Whoa, 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 there's a 30 pound pretzel there. <laughs> I wish, Chris. I'm not kidding. Once we're one <laughs> up in it at Motorama, let me tell you. Uh, once a month, I think about those pretzels, they are amazing and worth the drive. Um, Kyle, tell me that I'm wrong.
3: You're not wrong. Plus, there's those hot, hot pockets things there that are like homemade and really delicious. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good things that, at at motorama man. So not only is there great robot fo- fighting at motorama, they have the RC demolition derby cars, which are a ton of fun. Um, they have like the off-road dirt track kind of like uh Jeep RC cars that are fun to watch those things go on their tracks and do what they do. They have those crazy, super fast um, like hill jumping cars in that one arena that like horse arena off on that one side. They also have like actual motocross and uh, like, quad car or quad racing. Uh, it's a really weird event. It's a really cool event. Um, I could sit and watch the robots fight all day. Oh, there's also a car show there. It's its a really weird event, but it's a really cool event. Um, it's a long drive for me and I'd have to take the kiddos. I definitely am not planning on stay, like going there Saturday night. If I went, it would be a, be a Sunday adventure. So I'll just kind of have to play it by ear, see how the kids are feeling about it. Um, but man, I would love to go. I'd love to see... I'd love to see the robot fight come back. I'd love to see the event at Motorama. It's a weird one and it's a cool one. And, uh, you know, up until recently, it was like the place to go on the East Coast to watch robots fight.
0: Yeah, Uh, I will say kind of the pros and the cons. uh, Pro, fantastic event, um, huge crowd. There's like a really cool experience when you go there and you see... Your non-stereotypical combat robot fan just kind of wander in, sit down in the stands, and really just get into it. There's, I don't know, like it's they're, they're motorsports fans who are mostly in the the audience. Um, The Philly cheesesteaks are incredible. They're in Harrisburg. You can get them. They're the size of your forearm, and they are amazing. Um, The one thing that gives me pause, the reason why I am not going this weekend, is because uh, if there's 10,000 people in the arena, I think uh, 9,950. Of them uh, are not wearing masks, and uh, I don't know. I just don't really want to catch COVID, so um, that's that's the one thing I would say. Pro tip: um, there is an entrance that's really close to the uh, to the combat robotics arena there, so you can just go through that, um, and you don't necessarily have to uh, walk through nine thousand coughing Pennsylvanians. Um, But yeah, Motorama is amazing. I love the competition, and I'm. Probably going to be there next year. I think just this year. I haven't caught COVID yet, knock on wood, and uh, not trying to catch it in Pennsylvania this weekend. Okay, good. Um, (laughs) And uh, finally, uh, let's check in with Ghost Raptor, which is giving away 3D-printed paper... Ghost Raptor Skulls from Low Poly Paper Kits. These skulls look amazing. If you haven't seen them, check them out. I would love to win one. Check out details on how to enter on the team's Facebook page. And that's it for this week's news.
3: Wait, can I say something about that real quick? Sure, yeah. I uh, I would be remiss if we were to talk about Ghost Raptor's logo, and I did not say saber-toothed cat. Why is it a saber-toothed cat?
0: <laughs> it's a ghost and a raptor and a saber-tooth
3: it is it is it is neither a ghost nor a raptor right when you talk about a raptor you're talking about either a bird of prey or a a classification of theropod dinosaur uh it it is neither of those things Mm -hmm. it is a saber-toothed cat and i don't i don't fully understand why
0: all right
1: here's i i've got a a suggestion hey kyle why don't you save this for your Thera podcast? <laughs>
3: um, yeah, that would be an appropriate place for Raptors. Unlike a robot whose, uh, you know, emblem is a saber-toothed cat. I don't. I don't understand it.
0: <clears throat> I, I have a free suggestion for for Chuck Pitzer if if, if he's listening. Um, okay, next season we go back to Ghost Raptors, like real kind of roots. You know. Um, and and we changed the logo, to uh, just a dead, <laughs> a dead like eagle, you know, just like a, a you know like a ghostly kind of falcon or something, you know, uh, right rising up uh, in the mist. What, what what do you think? I think that's a phoenix. Um, All right, well, that's it for this week's news. Now, um, okay, before we get into our interview with Mark and Matt, it's time yet again for Snap Decisions, where we make ill-informed predictions about this week's fight card and score them against your ill-informed predictions. Last week, we had 91 people participate in Snap Decisions. Seven people managed to call six out of seven fight night fights correctly. I will note, no one called all seven uh, because we had a lot of upsets. However, those seven people were... Drew Monteith, Sean Peterson, Skylar Gallant, Eddie Friend, Francois Frol-Pelsier, our favorite hotelier, Lindsay Yuriko, and our own Lindsay Bear. Oh my gosh, Lindsay.
2: Yeah, I would actually say that in my heart of hearts, I did uh, call 7 of 7 correctly because I'll take to my grave that Kraken won that fight against hijinks.
0: Ooh, good call, Lindsay. Let's get into it. Um, now, the easiest fight to call last week was Minotaur versus Dragon Slayer, with 88 out of 91 people correctly predicting that Minotaur would win. The biggest upset in a night with an awful lot of upsets was Hijinx versus Kraken with just 15 people correctly predicting that Hijinx would win. Now before we get into this week's predictions, I want to take a pause here and get your thoughts on episode 6. We saw a thrilling close match between Rotator and Black Dragon, a spontaneous weapon disassembly from Blade, personal loss from Minotaur driver Daniel Freitas, a subtle nod to Norwalk Havoc before you saw the inside of Pain Train, an arguably controversial decision for a mostly dead hijinks, a big save by Jason Vasquez, and total domination by Will Bales and Hypershock. Kyle Chris Lindsay your thoughts on episode six
2: I wasn't expecting to cry so many times during this episode but uh, it you know really made me emotional uh, how much they um, focused on the the absolute tragedy. That uh, Daniel Freitas, you know, endured before filming.
1: I can't even imagine.
2: I can't even imagine. Um, I almost, I felt bad for him. I felt like they kind of lingered a little too much on him. The camera after after he, you know, won the match. I was like, oh, give the man like a second to breathe. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, even with everything going on... what I was really struck by was um, after they won that match, like the whole team was jumping up and down and celebrating and hugging each other. And I was like, but I don't see Daniel. He was still by the glass, like hunched over, just like, like still like making sure that bot was dead or, <laughs> or something. Like right. he was just
1: still was still fighting. It. He was, they were shutting the lights down for the night <laughs> And he was still just like gyro dancing with Minotaur, ready to go.
3: There's that um, that uh, like big fight with uh, Blacksmith and Minotaur from a few seasons ago. I think it was like the most viewed BattleBots fight on YouTube for a long time. Uh, but there's like he, the rest of the team after that fight is over is celebrating and dancing and having a great time, and he is still like doing the victory dance with the robot and you can see like his eyes are glass over and all of his energy is like in that robot doing that crazy gyroscopic victory dance in the box and then when he feels like the dance is done he puts the controller down and then immediately turns around and starts screaming and roaring and dancing around with the rest of his teammates and it's like it's like his energy all goes directly into that bot and he doesn't Put that energy back into his body until he's ready. You know what I mean? It's a, it's like he really does just become one with that machine. I love the way that man drives.
2: Me too, and no one else does it the way that he does it. It's it's like incredible to watch.
3: It truly is. If we ever get uh, Jaegers in real life, I would nominate Daniel Freitas to be a Jaeger driver and save us all from the uh, the kaiju.
1: Yes. <laughs> Speaking of kaiju, um, how about <laughs> how about that kraken fight?
3: Uh, how about that kraken fight? Um, why is Matt's Burke the new Al Kindle? He's not salty enough for it to be funny. It's just sad when they do it to him.
2: I I don't. It's like I don't understand what it takes to get a 3-0 in either control or aggression. Because to me, like Kraken was fully 3-0 when it comes to control. I think there's a good argument to, to say 3-0 when it comes to aggression as well. Um, I I don't know what it takes because Kraken has, has demonstrated like time and time again that they can rack up those points but it's like the judges just don't want to give someone no points in a category Uh, but i don't i don't really think that that's fair do you do
1: you all unanimously agree that it
2: was kraken's fight i do uh
0: okay all right i'll I'm, i'm i'm just you know listen this fight almost broke me you guys okay like um it's I love hijinks. I love Jen Um, I'm just gonna say that, like this, this is this is the, uh, the kind of uh, you know precursor of what I'm about to say. But hijinks was floundering in that fight. It was sitting in the middle of the box with this massive weapon just spinning up and waiting for Kraken to come to it. There was no uh, control there. There was no aggression there. And the, the judges being unwilling, unable, or uncomfortable with the idea of awarding all three points um, to a control bot just just kills control bots in the sport. Um, it's, I, I, I saw somebody say something good on Reddit. This week, they said, you know, listen, if this is the way that fights are going to go with control bots, just change the judging criteria to three for for damage, one for control, one for aggression. You know, like, let's just let's just let's nuke uh, control bots from from, you know, outer space, because uh, all we care about because we're barbarians is damage. Um, it, it, the, the, the fight made no sense to me. Like, I, I thought it was a very clear Kraken win.
1: I um so I'm gonna play devil's advocate and I'm gonna advocate for the devil here. Um
2: not say that Jen or Hijinx is a devil, because we love Jen and Hijinx. <laughs> uh
1: so I I don't know if um if this was a cl- like the clear blowout that some people have really kind of portrayed it as where like if we've seen Kraken like absolutely dominate control before, the same way that you could almost like, um, you know see a, a whiplash or something like absolutely dominate control and aggression. Uh, and to suggest that Kraken was at that level for three straight minutes, it's that's not it's not accurate. Um, but
2: they were at that level more than Hyjinx was at yeah, that level. Yeah, they were at that
1: level more than Hijinx. You can't say, though, that they were at that level the full fight. So, like, I can imagine being a judge. You're on the side of the box. You hear some of these, like, you know, really devastating hits to Kraken's teeth as that huge blade on Hyjinx is kind of slamming into... Them. Didn't I just imagine, though? You're yeah. there, you're there. And, like, you see this happening... Right. Um, And, you know, for the last, let's say, what was it, about a minute of the fight, you see Kraken. It's got some mobility issues on one side. It's it's obvious that it's taken uh, a few licks. And it's because of that, that they can't just like dump all the points for control and aggression to Kraken. And I I actually feel like it, it could have very easily been Kraken's fight. Uh, but, like, I can say that I wouldn't want to be a judge in that match. And for anyone to just absolutely insist that, like, it was 100% control, 100% of the time, 100% aggression, 100% of the time, that's that's not accurate. So, you know.
3: I agree with that. I think the larger point, though, is, like, how much does it have to be for a control bot to actually get a chance to win? At this point, there's just a structural disadvantage for having a control bot in this game. And if they're insistent upon, you know, a diversity of bot type in this field, then why are you preventing certain types of bots from being able to advance or, or succeed in any way? You know, it, it would, it would be different if Kraken was out there with a full build stipend and, um, you know, full financial backing from, from discovery or BattleBots, but they're not like Matt's out there to, do his best and win matches, and be the most powerful crusher in BattleBots. Like that's literally his goal. And like, where's if they're gonna nerf his ability to win these fights? I don't know what else he could have done in this fight against a full, a huge bar spinner like this.
1: Right, and 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 the the interesting thing I know we were talking before we even started recording the podcast that like maybe they should be looking at a point system that is like one point for aggression, 1 point for control, 1 point for uh damage, right? And then it's just like who earned the point and who did not earn the point. Um and you know, the thing is when you've put so much emphasis on damage and you're throttling your your ability to a path to victory through control and aggression, it's that's you're really putting the bot uh that that can like go the full distance that um, you know, are, are built to be more resilient that um, you know uh, sure, maybe don't offer some of that huge exciting hits. but like you' you're, you're, you're basically creating a formula for, um, you know, bots to, to, to put all of this energy into a small part of the bot that can absolutely obliterate another bot. If instead you put the onus on 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 the actual weapons uh, and and the damage, you would you would see a lot less um, uh, you know four wheel drive vertical spinners. You'd probably see some more glass cannons because then you're telling you're telling someone with a high energy weapon you have to either knock them out or you're not going to win the match, right? Um, you're the butterbean of boxing. 're your, you're your 90 seconds of gas, and then if you don't get the knockout, you're done uh because it's really gonna be the control bots game then. Um, I think that would actually lead to more exciting builds. Uh, however, it would also even the playing field with people that are bringing just
0: more resilient designs to battle bots. Uh, yeah, listen they they built the upper deck. You know, but they didn't assign any like meaning to it. Like if I'm a control bot and I'm able to control my opponent and get it up on the upper deck, that should count for points. Like I should be racking up points for every single second that it's up there. Right now, it's just like, oh, we've got this little weird little stage that like we, (laughs) that robots bump up there and then they can get themselves down. It's, it is wild. If you get inverted or like you're dumped up onto the upper deck, there should be a count
1: out. Right? Like like you have you have like ten seconds or fifteen seconds to get your bot back down off the shelf.
2: I mean Hijinx was right. able to get themselves off of the shelf, right. but I it still seems like if you're gonna make this odd decision to put the deck there to begin with, like like you said, incentivize Luke. incentivize it. Yeah, incentivize it. Assign it some kind of meaning. Like Give it something. Other what it what is the upper deck even? But I guess that's like another another conversation. <laughs> um, I it just like it makes me feel really bad because Matt Spurk and basically everybody who builds a bot that does not have a kinetic spinning weapon, you know, they are taking the you know arguably the harder road. Um, because you have to have a much different strategy and you have to be able to execute that strategy much differently than a bot with a spinning weapon. Um, But you are now taking this more difficult road, but with the belief that there's still a path for you to have a victory. um, If, if you don't, if it goes all three minutes. Right. And, and, you know, I think Luke or Kyle, you're getting at this before. Like, This is their money that they're spending to build this. And essentially, like at BattleBots, once you have a design, you're kind of locked into that design by production. So now Matt Spurk is presumably spending many thousands of dollars and probably many thousands of hours making this bot that he, you know, is bringing to this production that basically like production does not respect enough to allow that type of bot to win any kind of match. And then at great personal loss. And it's like, if I was Matt Spurk, if I was Craig Danby, if I was, you know, anyone who, who goes this like alternate path, what incentive is there for me to continue fighting? Because like, I, How many thousands of dollars of damage did Kraken endure, which is like expected, you know, I I totally understand, like, that's what you expect when you fight. But there's there's just like no other side to it other than now you lose thousands of dollars and you'll never get a shot at winning. And that sucks for you, you know, sorry, signed production. Like, I, I don't know. It makes me, it makes me mad. <laughs> it makes me really uh, mad. Here's
1: maybe one thing that we could just all agree on. All right. Production out, if, out there, if you're listening, it's the perfect time right now to change the rules and incentivize bots that can be built really resilient because Al Kindle just put a high velocity spinner on Blacksmith. And it'd be so funny now to change the rules back to where the original Blacksmith would thrive.
0: I, you know, like I'll, I'll say one last thing about Kraken and then if anyone wants to add anything else, like that's fine. But I mean, for me, um, the most amazing, wonderful part about BattleBots is seeing really different types of robots fighting one another. And when you, you remove all of the tension from your show, um, when you, um, when, when you're, you look at it and you're like, oh, the spinner's going to win every time spinner's going to win, you know, like uh, it's, right. it, it just like, it, it takes, it takes all of the kind of magic and art out of the show. In my humble opinion.
2: Uh, I just want to end by saying Kraken is one of my very most favorite bots and they have one of my very most favorite teams. And Metsburg is one of my very most favorite builders. And I'm sorry that the show keeps doing you dirty. Like, the the controversial losses that you had by the judges last year still break my freaking heart. Um, and uh, you deserve better. But thank you for all of your entertainment.
3: Well said, Lindsay. Well said.
0: Uh, any other thoughts on any of the other matches? You know, just picture perfect reliability from hypershock which amazing dominant um you know we, we we saw we saw great matches last thursday outside of you know this this kind of controversial call um you know and any other thoughts before we uh jump into our our snap decisions for for this week's fight card
3: yeah that black dragon rotator fight looked like it might have been cool but i couldn't tell it was just in this like weird smoke screen the whole time so <laughs> but no that was uh that was a pretty amazing fight those two drivers were incredible and uh that was a tough one for the judges too this was not an easy episode for the judges so uh f in the chat for the judges uh i hear the season gets harder for them going forward too so we'll see how that goes
2: yeah it's it's definitely not a job i envy and and my like criticisms are not at the judges it's just at the the whole situation but um I want to also call out the the first big win for Defender and Jason Vasquez. Um, I know that there was a lot of chatter about whether or not, you know, he should have um, unstuck Riptide. Um, but, I, I, you know, I saw him – well, I saw Matt Vasquez, you know, kind of uh, clear up some of that online by saying, you know – Disabling a bot in the first 20 seconds or whatever and then having a fight end is not a great way to make a case to the selection committee that you deserve to be in the top 32. And also it's like then you only get 20 seconds of stick time and having that time and experience actually learning by driving your bot is so important that they decided to take the risk and unstick them so that they could have more time to learn from the bot and get experience driving it, which I think is really admirable. Um, one one thing that I I saw I think in uh, AKA Lane uh, McDonald uh, talk about online was the <laughs> difference in attitude um, between Ethan Kurtz when he was fighting Huge versus when he was fighting Defender. Um, you know, when he got huge, uh, caught up in the screws, he was really happy to leave the bot there and just kind of die a slow death by countout. But when his bot did the thing and he needed rescuing, he was like, hit me, come on, unstick me, unstick me, which I think is, um, you know, like a, a real, uh, rookie behavior, which, um, you know, I, I don't, I, I understand, I guess, the sentiment. I just I just think it's really interesting when, when you look at it. Um and you know, the Vasquez's and Jason being the um the team that they are, they did it. And like kudos to them. I know it's it's controversial. A lot of people are saying that they wouldn't have done that, but uh I think that there is a lot of good reasons for them to do that.
3: Something I'd like to point out too is that like Ethan and Jason are all in that same kind of regional three-pound circuit. These two drivers know each other very well. Um, They're in those same competitions on the East Coast with Martin Mason and Calvin Eba and a lot of other names from BattleBots that we know. Um, I think one thing that not a lot of people are talking about is Jason probably saw that situation – did the calculus in his head and realized he is a better driver in a lot of ways than Ethan. And he was just confident enough to get him off the side of the wall and keep that fight going on and knew he could still win, Um, which is, I mean, just a testament to what a good driver Jason is. And everybody, especially in that kind of circuit, knows what a good driver Jason is. Uh, And you know what? Defender performed amazingly. I'm glad the fight went on. I really liked that fight. I thought both the bots did a great job. And ultimately, I'm really glad that Defender won. I thought it was great.
0: Same. Well said, everyone. Okay, good. Um, All right, let's jump into this week's predictions with help from our resident statistician, Gil Hova. Um, Okay, our first fight of the night. I'd love to hear your predictions, please. Number 16 ranked Bloodsport versus number 34 ranked Sub-Zero. Kyle, your prediction.
3: What a cool fight. Um... Man, this is actually a really tough one to call. One thing about Bloodsport is that it is not so great when it gets flipped over. Uh, They do have a self-writer bar and those things work, you know, like 60% of the time they work every time. Um, But yeah, I don't know. This is going to be really tough. I'm going to go long shot and I'm going to call it for Sub-Zero and I'm just going to rely on the fact that Sub-Zero is extremely durable and they're going to get at least one good flip that's going to flip
0: them all the way over. Nice. Okay, Lindsay, your prediction here.
2: I can definitely see this going to Sub-Zero, but I'm going to have to break with my IBM brethren and I'm going to go for Bloodsport. I I think that they're going to have the reach to hit Sub-Zero before Sub-Zero is able to get a flip on them.
0: Chris, I know that uh, Logan Davis is one of your favorite builders in the field. Are you going to be sticking with Logan and Sub-Zero or going with Bloodsport?
1: Um, I think, well, I think Sub-Zero now has a little bit of the agility necessary to deal with a bot similar to Bloodsport. Bloodsport's probably going to be bringing out some kind of long forks to try to win that ground game. But there's a good chance that Sub Zero will be able to uh, flank them. I just this is this is yeah this is a really this is going to come down to like either you know Bloodsport making one of those initial first hits that could potentially disable Sub Zero's flipper. But if we see if we see even a single flip, I'm thinking that Sub Zero is going to end up being able to capitalize that on that and 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 use the new diminished space in the box to uh, to to kind of uh, contain blood sport. So I'm going to go sub 0.
0: Okay, good. Uh Chris, let's stick with you for the next one. Number 44 ranked Cobalt versus number 37 ranked Ghost Raptor.
1: I I'm just looking forward to this one. Um I think ooh, uh I'm going to I'm going to say Cobalt. Uh I think that it's probably going to win the initial ground game. And then, you know, when you're talking about two high energy weapons, someone's probably going to die very quickly.
0: Mm Okay. On over to you, Kyle, Uh, Cobalt versus Ghost Raptor. All
3: right. So first of all, uh, the selection committee or the the producers here uh, are not being very kind to Chuck. They're like, Hey, Sabretooth cat. you did a great job helping out those kids and losing your last fight as a result of it. So now uh, we're gonna put you in there with a literal robot mulching machine. <sighs> it's not nice. it's just not nice. Um, yeah, I think this has to go to Cobalt. they this is just not a great rock paper scissors atomic bomb match for uh, Sabretooth cat and I feel bad for them.
0: Okay, Lindsay, let's uh, let's get your prediction here. Uh dooth Cat versus Cobalt.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm going to round it out and be the third vote for Cobalt.
0: Clever girl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Lindsay, let's stick with you for the next fight of the night. Number 36 ranked Ice Wave versus number 69 ranked Deadlift.
2: Uh, this is hard. Um, I don't have a great reason, but I'm gonna say Ice Wave. Oh, okay. Uh, this, I think because I—it's uh, my heart. That's my heart speaking.
0: Got it. Despite the uh, the tanned and oiled bodies of the uh, the deadlift team, is that right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, uh, Chris, your prediction here: Ice Wave versus Deadlift.
1: Uh, I would I would say Ice Wave, but there's just so many Deadlift boys. <laughs> so I'm going to go Deadlift. <laughs>
0: Deadlift. Okay. Um, all right, Kyle, uh, your prediction here. Ice Wave versus Deadlift.
3: Deadlift is a robot that we have seen getting progressively better in every single one of their fights. Um, we've seen some actually really dominant performances from them in some of the YouTube fights. Uh, last year and and this year. Listen, they are perfectly set up to face a horizontal spinner. Ice Wave's horizontal spinner is not very low. It's a really rough matchup for them. I think this has to go to deadlift. Ugh,
2: I want to change my vote. It's too late. You can't. Kyle and I have all the
0: oily boys.
2: (laughs) All right, you and Kyle can keep the oiled up young men.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, inside joke. Just listen to a couple uh, episodes back uh, and it'll make sense. If this is your first episode, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> all right, Kyle, uh, <laughs> let's look at you for the uh, the next fight. Number 86 ranked Blip versus number 61 ranked Overhaul.
3: I've never seen a robot with ears fly, and I'm really excited to see that. Uh, this one goes to Blip.
0: Okay, Lindsay, your prediction: Blip versus Overhaul. Blip. Blip. Okay. Uh, and Chris, are you flipping over Blip, or uh, is this going to be an an Overhaul win for you? I think we
1: might as well all vote together in a, in another block. Uh, I'll go. I'll go Blip here.
0: Okay. Uh, Chris, let's stick with you for the next fight of the night. Number thirty-one ranked, huge versus number eighty-six ranked. Retrograde.
1: I mean, I need to, I like deep down in the, in the core of my being, I need to see Jonathan Schultz win this match. So I'm going to
0: go with Huge. Okay. Kyle, your prediction? It's interesting
3: because Retrograde could actually reach out and touch Huge, which is uh, very difficult to do. I just think when they attempt to do that, they're also going to get their little arms all mangled up and it's going to be real gross. (laughs) uh huge is gonna win. It's probably gonna be a good fight. These are two really good robots, and you know retrograde for a rookie bot looks pretty good, but uh yeah, this is
0: going to huge okay, Lindsay, your prediction here. huge versus retrograde.
2: I'm a big fan of retrograde. I really have liked what I've seen so far, but uh similar to Chris my soul is yearning for a huge win and like a good long fight. Not, not like something that ends quickly. I need to see huge fight. And I think that this is going to be the fight and that they will, uh, they will uh, reign supreme.
0: Okay. Let's stick with you for the next one. Number 21 ranked Copperhead versus number 40 ranked Fusion.
2: All right. This is a battle of the head and the heart, because suddenly this season I've become a Fusion stan. Uh, I love Fusion and Reese Ewart, uh, but my, my head is saying Copperhead. <laughs> uh, yeah, Copperhead for the win.
0: Good. All right. Kyle, your prediction here. Copperhead versus Fusion.
3: Whew, yeah, like if you're comparing bot to bot, that's a tough one, right? Especially with how well Fusion's been performing this year. Um, but I'd have to give that driving edge to Copperhead. I'm going to go ahead and give it to Copperhead. But yeah, if Fusion wins, I'm not going to be surprised.
0: Chris, take us home. Copperhead versus Fusion, your prediction. I mean, I would,
1: You I, in this case, I would normally give it to fusion just because Robert Cowan is just such a sloppy builder, uh, you know, never, never measures anything, you know, just wires together. But you know what? I have a feeling that I feel, I have a feeling that Copperhead's going to pull this one out.
0: Okay. Chris, uh, let's stick with you for the main event. Number three ranked whiplash versus number six ranked Scorpios. This is gonna be a good one. I would love to get your prediction here.
1: I'm gonna go um with the oof. I think I'm gonna go with the bot with the uh with the uh overhead arm. <laughs> you know, the one yeah. with like the kind of the nice pan in the front.
0: <laughs> mm, yeah, maybe maybe huge, maybe chonky pan.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I'm going to go for.
0: Okay. All right, good. Uh the the green one or or the blue one? Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Now now that we're talking colors here, this makes a lot more sense. Um, <laughs> I Okay, so here's my prediction. That we're going to see Scorpius with a blade attachment. And we're going to see Whiplash with that more chunky uh, you know, uh uh like disc spinner um And if that's the case, Whiplash could potentially disable Scorpios' arm. Of course, this is all speculation, and I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, But I'm going to give this one to Whiplash. Oh,
0: okay. Uh, Kyle, your prediction here. Whiplash versus Scorpios.
3: You know, there's been a couple of main events where people were like, isn't this a weird main event? Um, But I never actually thought that those were weird main events, right? Like, uh, Like, I really wanted to see... Uh, Donald Hudson and Will Bales go at it. I, I thought that would be fun. This is the first main event that made me go, but why?
0: Kyle, say more about that. Why do you think this is a weird matchup? I think this is a great matchup.
3: i like, what What are these guys going to do to each It's just, it's a very strange matchup. We're not going to get big hits out of it. We're probably going to get some really good technical driving out of it. But if you're in a technical driving match in the heavyweight division, then and you're up against Matt Vasquez, you're gonna lose. Uh, there, there's you know, there's just no no way around that. It, it's it's just weird. I, it's like it's like I didn't need this question answered. Do I think it's gonna be a good main event? Yes, but but if every fight was a question, I didn't necessarily need this one answered. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and say whiplash. Uh, just because I do think this is going to come down to driving and if it's going to come down to driving, you got to give it to Matt Vasquez. Um, but yeah, weird main event.
0: Uh, strong disagree. I mean, I, I think Scorpios has a tendency to gyro up and Matt Vasquez has a tendency to get under his opponents. However, Scorpios does have that huge arm that can come right down on the top of Whiplash. So I, I think this is gonna be chaotic and a lot of fun and super technical driving. Um that is that is my prediction. Um but uh Lindsay, I would love to get your prediction here for the main event. Whiplash versus Scorpios.
2: Um so I was just staring up at the ceiling and Chris was looking at me wondering what the heck was going on. But I was envisioning all of the different ways in which this fight could uh, pan out. And it it's really hard. I, I never want to bet against Whiplash. And it feels weird to say this. But I think that the plow on Scorpios and those weird little curved forks that they have mastered. I think that I just, I can see that making the difference and not letting Whiplash get all up on them. I'm gonna say Scorpios. Okay.
0: Mm, Okay. Uh, Lindsay, let's stick with you for the last fight of the night, uh, the YouTube exclusive fight. Number 137 ranked Switchback versus number 64 ranked Slammo. Will this be the week that I'm eating BattleBot stickers and my words?
2: This is the week. You think so? I mean.
0: Renzi, uh, how dare you?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love Slammo and I whenever Slammo is in a fight, I wanted to win. Um, however, what I want more than that is to see you eat a sticker. But I think it's actually five stickers. That was maybe the... I think it was one car
0: decal. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's right. Uh, all right, Chris, uh, your prediction, Switchback versus Slammo? Uh, the last time I tried to
1: will uh, uh, into existence Luke eating a bunch of Switchback stickers, I I, I voted uh, for Switchback in, in hopes that that would be the outcome. However... Uh, You know, that is not the way fate had played out. So this time I'm going to say Slamo, hoping that I'm wrong and that you end up having to eat a handful of stickers.
0: (laughs) All right, Kyle, uh, take us home. Your prediction, Switchback versus Uh, Slamo.
3: The one thing about Switchback is I don't think it's going to suplex very well. Um, But that doesn't mean it's going to win this fight. I think you're safe from sticker eating from this one, honestly.
0: Oh, thank God. Okay. Um, all right, well, that wraps up this week's edition of Snap Decisions. Look for our post on Facebook later today to send us your predictions about this week's Fight card. After the break, our interview with Mark Demers and Matt Olson, sponsored by Max Amps. <laughs> Nicole, leave that in.
2: <laughs> I hiccup a lot. It's okay.
1: This interview is brought to you by Max Amps and the company's new exclusive line of combat robotics batteries called Max Combat. Max Combat battery packs are built in the U.S. and designed for both durability and performance for combat robotics. Max Combat batteries come with custom wraps, including your team's logo, internal hard skins for extra protection, puncture resistant wire sleeves and a custom metal Max box for charging and storage. Check out the Max Combat section at MaxAmps.com.
0: This week on the podcast, we have two very special guests, Lucky Captain Mark Demers and Lucky Driver Matt Olson. Mark built Lucky in 2016 following the runaway success of his 340-pound super heavyweight Ziggy, which is a five-time gold medal winner at RoboGames. This season, Lucky has launched itself into its strongest start ever, with a close loss against Tantrum and a decisive victory over Blade. On the show, they've attributed a lot of the bot's success this season to its new driver, who is experienced in RC cars. We're looking forward to learning more about the bot and the team in the hour ahead, so welcome to the show, Mark and Matt.
4: Glad to be here. Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're uh, <laughs> we we are recording like uh, really on the go. Uh, Mark is sitting uh, outside of a Starbucks in Silicon Valley, and Matt is dialing in from Disneyland. So uh, <laughs> we're just gonna see how this goes. Um, but um, whenever we have two people on the show, I would uh, we like to have them introduce one another and kind of talk about one another, just because I don't know it's weird to talk about yourself. So maybe Mark, you can start us off. Can you tell us a little bit more about Matt? Can you introduce Matt uh, for for us?
4: Yeah, so Matt was introduced uh, to us through a mutual friend, also a builder in the sport, Andrew Burgraff, and uh, showed up with us in 2018. Uh, We had, you know, we're in the pits. Matt was helping us out, and uh, we had some, like, pillow blocks that we needed to get replaced. And Matt's like, hey, I'll run back to my shop and whip some of those out for you. And, And a couple hours later, he came back with parts. And it's like, we immediately realized, driving aside and everything else, this guy builds stuff, and he fits the profile of what we do at competitions. So it was a nice introduction. He's, he's been with the team uh, at this show a couple of years already, and we kind of joked a little bit about him having uh, a try at the controls. And so this year we, we decided to give it a try, and um, it, it's really something to see him on RC. The, the control that he has, uh, precision that he has is, is really awesome. So there's some learning to do in terms of the sport, but I'm really excited to have somebody that's got that skill at the controls of our machine.
0: Awesome. And Matt, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about Mark? Uh, you know, can you introduce us to Mark um, and tell us any fun facts that you know about him?
5: Yeah. So same what Mark said, we met through a mutual friend, Andrew, and uh, it was actually Andrew that made the parts. Um, I I work for a company that's called MIP in the RC industry, and uh, they've got full capabilities of everything and you know joining the team I I think the first battle I came I, I forget exactly which one it was but lucky was totally destroyed um, and I kind of jumped in and and being I've been in the RC industry for for so long and with building things you kind of two and two go together you're able to figure it out quite fast and you know we jumped in and started getting it and uh, you know mark has so much experience within um, within the sport and I know that he's very respected within it as well you can see a lot of the you know, the old the old uh, heads out there, you know, no Mark for a long, long time. Obviously, Ziggy was was very, very um, successful. Um, and, you know, through through the last couple of times that I've been on with them a couple of seasons now, um, basically, I, I was just messaging to Mark, you know, hey, you know, just jokingly, because I'm at the sticks, you know, uh, week in, week out, driving and competition And uh, I said, Hey, why don't I, I had run it around in the box a little bit, kind of drifting around. And he was like, Hey, is this like your first time ever driving one of these? And I was kind of doing, you know, figure eights and drifts within the, you know, the test box. And I'm like, yeah, that's my first time. And he's like, Oh, so I think that kind of sparked his interest. And then later on he hit me up and he's like, Hey man, if you're really interested, I think, uh, I think this might be, this might be like a cool culmination and, and something really cool for the show. So, it was really nice of mark and the entire crew you know it's not just me and him you know there's a lot of people um in in our entire team that make it possible you know so shout out to them as well the entire lucky team and uh you know i was just really grateful that that mark was like hey let's try you out let's see you know how you do because literally my first bout was against tantrum uh ever and um we're usually not we're usually much nicer in RC, so I was uh, I was a little bit too nice, I think, and I learned that going into the other battles. So uh, Mark was there by my side the entire time, and uh, it was it was very very good to have him there and all his experience, you know, um, with everything and you know, we work really well as a team. So it's pretty cool. So, huge thanks to him.
0: Awesome. Matt, I'd love to stay with you, um, and learn a little bit more about your background. So you're based in Southern California. Are you, are you like involved in the RC industry as well? Like, can you tell us a little bit more about what you do outside of combat robotics, you know, kind of like your, your occupation and kind of how, how you got started in, in RC?
5: So I, uh, it's funny. I, I tell my girlfriend, you know, when I first met her, I was like, uh, She's like, well, what do you do? And it's always hard for people, but I'd say I'm a drug dealer for nerds, you know, and that's basically how it is because I actually I'm in RC full time. So I own a business that manufactures high end race goods and I, you know, um, design them and we produce them through my company I used to work for full time, MIP. They have full CNC capabilities, um, a lot of Swiss machines, uh, Moris, stuff like that. And, um, you know, I work with them and for competition wise, I've been with them and I was kind of their main guy. So I've got an eye for what ends up, you know, what's, uh, isn't working so well and, and what capabilities we have to make it work that much better and what we can produce and sell for them. So I've done that. And then I've also, I uh, travel around the country doing competitions, showing off the product, Um, you know, going out there and I'm very proficient within the fifth scale industry, which is the bigger 40 pound cars, which is the biggest that we race out there. But I'm also very good with the 10th scale, the lighter cars, um, all off road. And, um, so I've, I basically, I design parts. I, um, I, we sell them, we have like a pro shop. So I'm doing RC basically 24 seven. If I'm not at the sticks, you know, I'm selling parts for them I'm around the industry. And then I also own a media business that i cover events so i put the full live timing and scoring up on the camera uh guys will bring me in um to help you know basically live broadcast it with you know who's up there doing interviews you know stuff like that so i've got that business going on and then i'm going to be starting up a hobby shop here soon um so everything that i do is very very involved within the industry and i try and hit it from a lot of different angles Um, so I'm, it's, it's basically my full-time thing.
0: That's really cool. You know, do you, do you find that there's a lot of overlap between RC and BattleBots? I mean, did you show up at BattleBots? Did you know anybody who's already there? You know, someone who was involved in the sport, you know, or when you look at the two sports, you know, are, are they similar?
5: Yeah, I would say definitely the, um, they're very similar as far as the people, you know, they all have a passion and, and you find guys from a lot of different walks of life. I I would say like, especially the lucky team, um, somebody had asked me like, Hey, what does Mark do? And then what is, you know, the other Matt on our team do? And, um, we've got a couple different guys that they each have their own, they each have their own talents, you know, like myself, I'm the driver. Mark is very well rounded within everything. Um, And then we have Matt. He draws everything to Brainiac. So you've got all these guys from different walks of life. And it's the same thing in the RC industry um, where you meet all these definitely successful people that are smart in their own right. And they have their own good things that they bring to the table. And, um, you know, everybody's out there. They they all love the sport and everybody will help each other, which is very cool, which is the same thing in RC. Um, We're just basically driving around a track, you know, so. A lot of the same type of people. Um, everybody's really, really cool. And um, sorry, there's actually a train passing by right now. <laughs> if you can hear it. Of course, um, there is. <laughs> <laughs> out here at Disneyland. It's Valentine's Day, guys. You know, you gotta gotta treat the girl good. So yeah, it's um, you know, so overall, it's it's very, very similar. Um, obviously it's different in the aspect of how the, um, you know, we have servos that control the steering basically. And usually a lot of the battle bots are all like tank steer, you know? So that was huge for me kind of learning that. And Mark got me, uh, some test bots. So I was testing out and then I like to do a lot of research, you know, it's, it's a different competition wise. Like we try to avoid hitting people in RC you know, and now I'm like going full out. But the thing is, what does help me in RC is that I can read people very well. So when you go out there driving with different people, you can know when they can, you know, either try and take you out in a turn, how to dodge them, you know, you kind of read their, you know, mannerisms of driving and how to avoid that. So I think that helped me out as well. And also when to attack and stuff like that. So I think there's some bleed over, but the, it's totally different driving style and everything's much slower too, you know, it's, we're doing a 250 pound bot, you know, with, um, with like servo motors in it. And then we got, you know, full brushless, you know, two to four S cars that are, you know, five pounds, you know, so it's, it's very different as far as that, but also very similar. Um, so that's the best way I could, I could explain it in all, in all facets of both sports.
0: Yeah. I just have one last question for you, Matt, and then I'll, 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 turn it over to Mark. Um, you know, I guess now that you've driven in a couple of matches at BattleBots, what is next for you? Like, have you been bitten by the BattleBots bug? Are you going to be building your own combat robot? Like where, 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 where do you take it from here?
5: Yeah. I've had a couple guys like kind of when I was in there, you know, nobody really knew me much. um, in, you know, in battle bots, but then word started to spread in the pits, you know, Oh, that's the RC guy, you know, and Oh, he's the driver, you know, kind of the thing. And, and, uh, they're like, Oh, are you Matt Olson? And so, and so it started to spread within the pits as far as that. And then I started to make friends and then they're like, Hey, it would be really cool if you could come out, you know, they were seeing our matches and they knew I could drive and they're like, it'd be really cool if you can come out to these competitions. There was some in LA, you know, there's, there's different, different places and now I'm getting invited to, um, and I, I enjoy it. I think it's really cool. I would like to kind of get into the media side of it because that's kind of like a good end. because I don't think a lot of much like RC, I see it in battle bots as well. Um, where, unless you have like what we would say a world championships or a nationals, which I would say is kind of like, um, battle bots is like a world's, you know, it's a world championship. You've got the, you know, you got the discovery channel, you have all this money to be able to put into it, but you know for these little competitions that i would say hey there's the you know there's the there's the normal joe and the normal guy that probably pays for the hobby a lot of it on the smaller scale or they're very interested in it they don't get a lot of attention um, so i think i think in that battle bots for i could be wrong but i don't see a lot of live streaming professionally at the smaller scale so i'd like to kind of get into that and then as far as driving them and doing that it's all it's all time and energy. Like right now I would, I would probably need almost like an arrive and drive or like, you know, kind of like a kit type of thing to get going. Cause I just, I'm so busy with two, three, four businesses. You know, I was scheduling with Mark and uh, you know, with everything to get me to BattleBots because I was, I was hiring guys out to cover another event for me. So I'm pretty busy in my day to day, but as long as Mark wants me back out, I'm going to be there for BattleBots uh, year in and year out.
0: That's awesome. Matt, now I'm, I'm no wrong answers here. Uh, I, I know that you're here at Disneyland and you're with your girlfriend. Should we let you go so you can go back to Disneyland? Uh, and uh, we just ask Mark a bunch of questions or do you, do you want to stick around?
5: I'll stick around for a little bit here. My girlfriend's yeah. nodding a little bit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but she's like, yes, Matthew. Yes. Let's go back let's go back to writing, (laughs) you know, uh, it's a small world, you know, but, um, I got like 10% battery left here. I don't know if you guys have anything more for me, um, you know, or, or you asked Mark something and then a little rebuttal. And then after that, I'm probably dead on battery, but you know, I just want to say thank you so much for, you know, bringing me on and, you know, and team lucky is, it's a really, really good bot. I think we have a lot of growth still to do. Um, and I think this year more than anything, you know, we, we showed, you know, you could even hear in the pits on some of the candid video. They're like, Oh, lucky's really good. You know? So we kind of are hearing that, you know, even from the other battle bots contestants. And I think we really could show what it could do, you know, with uh, a little bit more skill on, on the wheel, not to say there hasn't been that there before, but uh, you know, it, this year we really seem to kind of kind of break out, and I'm looking forward to the the next fights that people are going to see.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, Matt, uh, feel free to uh, to jump out uh, at any point and to uh, to go back to Disneyland. Um, but uh, and and that that is all good. And i really really appreciate you uh you dialing in on a Valentine's Day. Um, Mark, I would love to to turn it over to you. I'd love to hear more about your career so far in the sports. I know that you were very successful at RoboGames. You've been building robots for a really long time. How did you get started in combat? That robotics and Keen, tell us about some of the bots that you've built uh on your way to to building lucky
4: sure sure there's a couple of good topics there for sure um while we have matt here maybe i'll, I'll touch a little bit about driving and and bringing him in if that's okay and then we can get on to some of the other ones yeah because uh he might have some uh you know some complimentary comments to make while he's here yeah so um you know in, in the history there in, in talking about bringing matt on uh you know the analogy that i've been using in having matt uh, drive for us is a little bit like you know uh, training a player to play basketball that's seven feet tall, right? Like you can't train seven feet tall. but if you are seven feet tall, you've got a severe advantage over the field. and uh, so watching Matt control the RC as well as the 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 dri- tank drive machines, he's clearly got a level of control with with uh, the radio that most don't. There are other people that have migrated from RC um into the sport and i think it's a clear advantage but that's the analogy that i use when talking about bringing matt in uh so basically you know we've got a seven foot tall guy playing basketball uh you still have to be able to know learn the game make the shots make the blocks you know play the game play the position uh so there's things to learn but starting off with a player that's seven feet tall is a massive advantage and so you know, we're looking at this like a, a driver development program, and and starting off with somebody that has the the fine motor skills that most of us in the sport don't. So um, there's a time investment in in you know learning the machine, learning the competitors. Uh, but I do think it's a big advantage in um, in you know having that fine motor control that that he's got that the sticks. So that's a little bit of background on on how I look at it there, anyway.
0: Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree. I mean, when especially when you're taking a look at heavyweight robots, um, there's just not a lot of places where you can safely test them and get a lot of stick time. And um, when you take a look at an RC car competitor who is maybe going to competitions every weekend, they have hundreds of hours on the sticks, and you can really see that um, in the way that they drive. Um, there, there are teams at BattleBots who get 20 minutes total of drive time a year because they're real builders, you know, and they get time in the box and they get time in the battle box, but that's basically it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, bringing in people like Matt is, is a real competitive advantage.
4: Yeah. It's funny you say that because I think as a team, traditionally we've, we've been uh, a builder team, right. And, and uh, that's been our passion. And when we were at robo games and maybe this is a segue, uh, but when we were at robo games, uh, we had that exact philosophy, not that we didn't want to put more time into driving, but we really put our time into building a better machine and out machine the other guy. Um, and the level that we're at now, there's just so many amazing drivers that I, I don't think you can use the machine solely and, and think you're going to win without getting the drive practice in. So it's a different game now than when we were playing the regionals, uh, sort of the robo games and those those sorts of events.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, tell me how you got started in the sport. You know, did you start off as a fan um, or did you, you know, how how did you first hear about combat robotics? I, I know you've been, been doing this now for
4: 15 plus years. Is that right? Oh, geez. I don't even want to count. But yeah, I lived in the <laughs> Bay Area back when it was on Comedy Central, you know, t- almost 20 years ago. It was probably 20 years ago. And, uh, you know, I've got a couple of dorky stories, but uh, I used to drive up to uh, Petaluma to see a customer. Maybe I shouldn't name them, but I used to drive up to Petaluma from the Bay area and, and, uh, the BattleBots office was actually on the way. So I, I would drive from Southern Southern Bay up to, um, Petaluma and I'd stop in, like literally stop in to see the, um, the Inertia Labs guys. And I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm going to, I'm going to build a robot too. And, uh, I stopped in to the BattleBots office and, uh, um, Erica Spintowski was the first person I saw there, but Greg was there. Anyways, I mean, literally just walked into the office and, uh, Greg Munson sitting there right in front of me. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to build a robot. And he's like, Hey, you should. And that was, that was my, you know, my inspiration. Um, so I started off just watching it on, on TV It was on comedy central. And when I watched it, I'm like, this is, this is something I have to go and participate in. And then, you know, the things like talking to Greg and he, he was just supportive saying, yeah, you should go do it. And, you know, we, we got started then. That was uh, like maybe 2001. Uh we competed at BattleBots season 5.
0: That's really cool. Um and then and then you went on to develop Ziggy, which was incredibly popular. Can you tell us more about how you how you built Ziggy, how you designed Ziggy and and why it
4: was such a success at RoboGames? Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I guess getting to Ziggy uh before that we had built uh previous to that we built Cyclone Bot which was uh, sort of a novelty machine, full-body spinner, uh, melty-brain, I guess as they call it. Um, and that was kind of our marquee machine for a while. Uh, people really liked it. Uh, it wasn't terribly successful. We did win a few matches, but it was it was a fun machine that people liked, and we had a lot of technology in it. It was pretty cool. Um, but, you know, over over time, um, you know, I wanted to build a launch bot. I, I remember watching Inertia Labs. And uh, there are fans, you'll see people describe Lucky or Ziggy as, you know, hey, it looks kind of like Biohazard with a lot more power. And that was literally the the thinking behind it. I, I loved watching um, Biohazard and, and Carlo, the way he he really uh, controlled the field. He was one of the best builders decades before everyone else figured out all the rest of it. And then, you know, I thought if we, if we could take that kind of machine and, and add... Uh, the power that's impressive that you see with Inertial Labs, uh, that would be an awesome combination. And that's literally how we started out um, the design process. I don't know if you had any of that background or you knew that, but that's really how it started.
0: So Lucky and Ziggy, they're both four-bar flippers, four-bar launchers. Um, can for For somebody who doesn't know what a four-bar lifter or launcher is, can you talk about what a four bar you know kind of mechanism is and why it's such
4: an interesting design for uh, for a combat robot? Sure, so I'll, I'll try to make it a simple description, but a, a four bar mechanism is one where you basically have um, uh, four parallel lines, right so if um, if you're operating and they're they're parallel and everything's the same length, it kind of oscillates back and forth. When you make the the links, Different lengths. Then, as as the the top bar goes through its motion, um, you can modify the stroke. Uh, it's not a single pivot. It's a it's a complex motion. So the the result of it uh, in the mechanics is basically instead of launching something straight up, our lifting mechanism pushes forward as well as up. And what the idea is is to to launch somebody in front of us and have them set up for the next uh, Launch uh, rather than going straight up, and we are, you know, our our trajectory when we fire somebody. It, you know, ideally they'd go uh, about fifty percent further forward than they go up. So, like you know, a a medium sized throw, we might throw somebody eight feet in the air and twelve feet forward. Um, that's kind of the the mechanism. I Maybe mean, we can get into the geometry and the 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 mechanics there, but that's kind of the gist of it. Uh, is that kind of cover yeah. things at a basic level. Thing.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, I'm really interested in, in, the, the power behind lucky, you know, maybe we can transition into lucky and in kind of the design uh, of the robot. Um, you know, when, when I think about Bronco, I think about, Oh, number of flips, you know, that they can perform in three minutes. You know, I look at blip and it's like, Oh, we can flip until our battery runs out. Cause it's completely electric, you know? Um, you know how how do you measure the power and kind of the 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 amount of flips I guess that you have inside of Lucky? You know, like is that is that a measurement that that the team has designed for? You know, can you kind of give us the behind the <laughs> I guess under the hood uh, specifications?
4: You know, on on the actual mechanism. Sure, sure. So, yeah, you know, starting out in, in pneumatics, um, and pneumatics is one of those areas where. Everything's really dangerous and, and <laughs> nobody wants to give you advice that that gets you killed. So it's it's always hard when you're starting out to to get advice from people that know what they're doing. So we did, you know, a lot of uh, comparison with other people. I, I know when we were starting out, I, I talked with Yasha, who, you know, more recently with Chomp, but back then was the judge. And um, you know, his his simple advice was uh, try to figure out how much power you think you need and then double it, right? And so that's that's exactly what I did, and, and we did some calculations to figure out what was the work that the judge had through its power stroke. And I thought, well, hey, if we do that uh, something like that, and then double it, maybe that'll be enough. And that was sort of arbitrary. Um, you know, we, we run pretty high pressure. Uh, the push force at, at maximum pressure, it's um, it's about eleven thousand pounds of force uh, over a power stroke. So I mean, it's it's a substantial um excess load when you're talking about a, a 250 pound machine um and then you asked about you know how do you calculate how many shots you have and and basically the the philosophy that we've we've worked on is we we want to be able to develop a ridiculous amount of power so we've really developed uh the systems to deliver uh, like like a a ton uh, literally tons of, of power um and then when we get to uh, competition. We dial things back because we have to be able to, to make multiple launches, right? So in previous years, actually, we, we had enough power that if we fired our big shot, uh, it would break us. And so we were always hesitant to throw our big shot. Uh, so our basically, we, we call that a haymaker. And then our little shot is the jab. And no one had ever seen a haymaker in, in competition because we were pretty sure it would break. The mechanism, and uh, in testing, we've been able to break ourselves uh, by dialing the power up, and then we've we've then uh, refined, yeah, we've refined the design to be resilient enough. There's a lot of um, a lot of subtle things that don't look any different from the past, but we can fire at full power all day long now and not break. So that's that's an interesting change, but it's it's hard to the hard thing is not making the power. It's um, getting rid of the power if you miss, because if we throw somebody, the power goes into them. If we miss them, all of that speed and momentum has gone into a a flipping arm that's not got any load on it. That's hard to stop.
0: That's a good segue into um, the latest version of Lucky. So your season six um, design, you know, can you tell us what's new on the robot this season? Um, I know that you took a year off due to COVID, um, you know, you know, and when, when you came back, I guess, in, in that off season period, did the design of the robot change very much?
4: Yeah. I mean, subtly, no. Uh, what, what's, what's obviously, I think from the outside, there's not much to notice in terms of changes. Uh, but behind the scenes, we made a lot of changes. Uh, and it goes back to some of the things where we had trouble with in the past. You know, if you look back at 2018, 2019, uh, we had a number, and even 2016, we had a number of problems with drivetrain and uh, just things like chains breaking. There's a bunch of things that didn't happen 15 years ago that that just... Uh, the level of competition and the kinetic energy, there's just a lot more load on drivetrain than there used to be. So what we thought was okay for 15 years ago, wasn't okay in this new installation. So uh, our drivetrain had improved. I think we solved that sort of by 2018, 2019. I think we ran flawless in terms of drivetrain. I mean, if somebody hits you directly in the drivetrain and breaks it into like, it's, it's not surviving that, but we didn't have self-inflicted damage. So drivetrain got resolved. Over a few years, our most recent um, competition, 2019, we had a ton of problems with electronics. It was something that we had never had trouble with before, but we had, it's not obvious in our matches, but we had uh, the weapon firing um, when we would like accelerate the machine. We're getting crosstalk between the ESCs and the uh, the pickup for the, the, the weapon controls. And it's not obvious to anyone looking, but when you're driving, it was... It was really um, un- uninspiring when you're not firing the weapon and it's firing uh, because you're you're driving. So there was a lot of electronics issues that really stemmed from just wiring and, and um, RC setup and things like that. So it's not really sexy, but one of the, the big things that we did was we developed a, a custom control board. We cleaned up all the wiring and um, we developed a PCB that does all of our our decision-making and control so um you know good to report that in this this year uh 2021 filming uh, basically that all got fixed and it's it's not um it wasn't an obvious change but to us it was massive because having a control system which doesn't do exactly what you want it to do uh really isn't uh, conducive to, to winning any matches
0: i i I love the success that you've seen so far this season and your two matches. They've been really, really good. Great driving, really good flips, like good mobility, good toughness. Um, You know, in in your most recent match, (laughs) you saw just Lucky take a hit, like a tombstone level hit straight to the face, and uh, it came out on top, which was just amazing. Um, You know, like we're right about to get into all of our listener questions for you, but I would love to get your reflection on the Tantrum match and this Blade match, Um, you know, can you can you walk us through those two matches and and your your thought process going into them, some of the repairs afterward, and um, and really kind of your thoughts at this point in the season.
4: So um, you know going into the match uh, against tantrum, that was a good uh, match for us. I I, I mean uh, we watched really well, uh, really closely last year twenty twenty, and a lot of people talked about driving and, and machines. And um, I declared myself, I don't know how much I said it out loud, but uh, tantrum was, was one of the most improved machines year on year. And they came into 2020 looking like a totally different machine. Right. And I thought that was awesome because they had been a middle of the pack at best kind of machine. And then, you know, going into 2020, they just, I mean, they really lit it up. And um, I think in this quarterfinals they were up against Sawblaze, J-Mo, and, I mean, that was, like, nobody does that to J-Mo. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, they They looked really good that match. I think it's their best match they ever had, and and uh, Sawblaze didn't look to have an answer for it, right? So, all that being said, I think they really established themselves as, you know, having migrated out from the middle of the pack. Now, for us, you know, we're looking at, at um, Tantrum and going, hey, this is going to be a tough matchup. But at the same time, you know, I, I think as a flipper, I, I think we pose a really difficult problem to most of our competitors. So uh, we're not generally going to send you home in a box like a tombstone would. But I think everyone recognizes if we get under them, we we can end the match in a couple of flips or, or at least change the momentum. And so we're, I think we're a credible threat there. And maybe I'm delusional, but I really think we're a difficult matchup for most of our opponents. And um, going into Tantrum, I... I, you know despite the fact that they had awesome success in 2020 I really thought we had a, a decent chance of winning that match and so our our plan was to go and get under them before they they do the tantrum thing and take control and, and really set the pace for the match so I thought that went really well exactly as we wanted as it started um, you know as, as the match went on they clipped a tire uh, we lost some rubber our drive train got worse and then from there, uh, tantrum did its thing, but I, I really liked the way that went, and at least the start. Um, I actually think, even though we lost that, a lot of it turned a lot of heads. I think, uh, given that we we had them on the ropes, and you know, it was a coin toss uh, as to who was going to win. If you know, they would have gone the other way on that last flip. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I know that we have listeners asking about it, but I'd love to ask you. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm stealing a question from the listeners. But um, it was like such a great show of sportsmanship when um, when Matt kind of helped Tantrum down off of the rail. And there was just so much debate afterward if Tantrum would have been able to wiggle itself off or not. You know, from your perspective, like their cage side, what what did you see? Like, did, did you think that Tantrum was right about to, to come roaring off of the rail anyway? So, you know... Matt went in for for like one one last hit or or what?
4: Yeah, it's it's a really good question, and it's one of those things that I love the debate that goes on in these uh, forums and discussions afterwards, where you can you you know you have the luxury of going back and watching instant replay, and you can you can look at the information ten times and make the decision that was right in hindsight. Uh, you know, from where we were standing, um, it looked like they were going to get off, and and I think the editing was such that. Uh, they didn't show the extent to which they were using that that uh punch to wiggle themselves out so i think they the editing of the show uh didn't uh, capture the 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 degree to which i think they were going to get off uh, we thought they were going to get off i think tantrum thought they were going to get off the side and and really you don't have a lot of time in the match to like you have a split second to decide right and then once you decide if you're going to throw it you have zero more time to, to second guess it. Right. So you've done what you've done and you go, you move forward from there. Um, I don't think it was a bad decision. I I think in looking at it, you know, we, we, could we game plan on how to do that better or to retain better control coming out of that? We can game plan that better. I think with, uh, with uh, watching the, the, the tapes, the video, uh, but I don't think it was a bad decision to go after them. It wasn't, we weren't trying to be a nice guy. we were actually trying to win the match, and I think <laughs> we're getting too much credit for being Canadian and hey, good sportsmanship and everything else. But our intention there was to was to finish the match. Um, and then just a last comment: um, there was an interview that uh, that Aaron did with the team uh, themselves, and they talked about it. And and you know they they highlighted themselves that uh, a lot of people don't realize how close that was, but we had broken. Leading up to that, we had already broken their self rider the, the chain was dangling. Uh, and when they were on the wall, you know, we were one flip away from finishing the match. And when we toss them, you know, uh, if they land upside down, the match is over. If they land on the wheels, they have a chance to win. Uh, but we were, we were a coin toss away from winning, winning that match if they would have landed upside down. That's amazing. Um, and then, and then to your, to your fight, uh, from, from
0: this past Thursday, I know we're gonna, we're gonna get into it with listeners too, but like, just like the toughness of lucky in that fight, I was so impressed with. Can you talk about, about that fight and, and what it, what it looked like from, from your perspective?
4: Uh it's a good question because, uh, we, we put that wedge on and when we took that first hit from blade, the only thing I saw was the gouge in the steel, right? It, I mean, it was right in my face. And then the second thing I noticed, you know, this is moments later, but when you're watching the match, it, it looks like an eternity. Uh, but after seeing the gouge, I realized that they were wobbling out of control, and I, I didn't see their their uh, bar break immediately, uh, but you know, a couple seconds after, we realized, hey, they're they're wobbling all over the place. And, uh, it really went our way. Right. So, you know, we, we, we game plan these things in advance. And I mean, literally this was our game plan, right? It's like, Hey, we're going to go in, we're going to take a couple of hits. Hopefully they hit the wall. Hopefully they break themselves and hopefully it's over really fast. That's the game plan. Right. Cause you know, somebody like that or somebody like Tombstone, you're not taking 20 hits, right? You take 20 hits you take two or three and you survive that's the most we can ask out of our armor more than that and stuff's just coming off right and it gets worse and worse so we our game plan went exactly as planned um but we got to talk a little bit of that, of that up to luck too so i don't know if you had comments there on how you saw that go but we were we were pretty pleased with the outcome as it went
0: yeah, I, I, I would say, like, from my perspective, it looked like you went into that match with a lot of intention, like you knew what you wanted to do. And um and then like kind of my second thought was, I, uh, I am so glad that the battle box is is constructed as well as it is, because I mean, like that thing just looked like it was rocketing out at a very high speed and it was incredible that you know didn't go through the the battle box um so yeah huge huge match um and yeah just just i uh, again i'm i'm absolutely loving the performance of of your robot this season i'm gonna turn it over to kyle kyle's got a bunch of listener questions they are also very curious about uh your matches and your performance so far so i'm gonna turn it over to kyle
3: Hey there, Mark. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good. All right. So we've got uh, dozens and dozens of listener questions. I'm going to try to get through them as efficiently as possible, and uh, we'll see how this goes. Uh, So the first question that we have is from Drew Willis. Drew is a big fan of horizontal spinners in general, and his first question for you is, did blades scare you?
4: Absolutely. Um, You know, there was an interview with Ray, and a couple of people referenced this before, where Ray said, You know, people can say what they want about, you know, is Tombstone still relevant or not? It absolutely is. But the comment that Ray made is everybody's afraid of Tombstone. And if if you're not afraid of Tombstone, you're not watching, right? So we went into this match with Blade going, you know, if, if we can win within, you know, delivering a couple of hits or taking a couple of hits, two or three hits, that's great. But we were absolutely aware that things could go wrong really fast, Um you can look back to our match with Son of the, the The intentions were the same. Uh, and then once the armor starts coming off, everything else underneath looks like butter, right? So we we were scared. Uh, we got the breaks that we were looking for. We got lucky.
3: See, hence the name, hence the name. Um, all right. So we've got some really good questions from Alexander Archer, who wants to know, um, I know that the ta- in the tantrum rematch, the host said that you... Freed them to keep the fight going as an act of sportsmanship. Was that really the case, or were you really going for an easy KO? You kind of answered this um, a little bit earlier, but could you expand on that a little bit for us?
4: Sure. No, <laughs> we weren't looking to be sportsmanlike. Like uh, it was, it was a, a judgment call. We thought this was the, this was a, a chance to finish the match with a, a fast and impressive uh, win over you know somebody that's really established themselves as a top tier machine.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's very true. <laughs> They're a very scary machine. Um, all right, so should the other teams really be recruiting professional RC drivers like you did with Matt?
4: It's a good question. Um, I, I think this is an experiment, and time will tell. Um, I think the basis of what we're doing has its merits. Um, there's a lot of really experienced drivers in this game, um, and I do think driving's going to be re- become really important. Um, I think what Matt's doing is, is a great foundation. And, you know, if we have, if we demonstrate more success, uh, I think people are going to look to that as a potential path to, uh, recruiting skill.
3: Yeah. I mean, fair enough. All right. So we're going to kind of go back in time a little bit. Um, so you're, you're now back in time at this point in the tournament where we've seen in the show, um, you're getting ready for your third and final match for the fight nights. Um, so how important is this, third fight night match for you going in one and one and kind of what thoughts are you making in preparation for this fight at this point you probably don't even know who your opponent is but what are your thoughts going into that preparation mode
4: yeah at, at that point finishing up against uh blade uh that was a huge win for us and i actually thought uh although we lost against tantrum i thought we had a good show there uh we there's nothing worse than when you have a weapon, you don't get to show what it can do. And and the the match against Tantrum, I mean, we absolutely dominated the start of that match, which is what we intended to do. And I think that was notable. Uh, second match went exactly as we had planned and hoped. Uh, but I, I didn't think that was enough to secure any sort of position uh, in the top 32. And I, I really thought, you know, it's a good foundation, or good start. Uh, I really thought it would be important for us to, to win the next match. Um, and and we wanted to, to really um, go in a direction with Lucky that we haven't been we haven't had the success with in, in previous BattleBots. So uh, winning decisively like we did against Tantrum, I, I feel like that was a bit of a turning point for us in our our history with with BattleBots. Hopefully that's that carries forward.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, strength of schedule is very important, right? And uh, th- the showing that you had against Tantrum, I mean, very at several points you could have won that fight. Um, that's, that's going to bode very well for you with the selection committee for sure. It's almost as good as a win. Almost.
4: No, not quite. Not quite, but close. Yeah. It, it, uh, in combination with, with a win, it's, it's, it adds, uh, credibility to our story.
3: Yeah. I would call you like 1.5 and one at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. I'll take it. So we don't have a question from Drew Monteith. We have, uh, we have a little bit of a compliment for you. He says, I just wanted to say, I appreciate the sportsmanship your team has exhibited over the years. You all always seem to get matched up against some heavy hitting competition and you always go in the box and give it, your, or give it everything you have. Um, I agree with that. L- Lucky has always been entertaining to watch and uh, you guys do a really great job with that robot.
4: That's great. I mean, I do take that as a compliment and I, I think they nailed it. I mean, you asked us if we we're afraid of, of uh, Blade. And I mean, we, we go into these competitions knowing that we can leave in a box and, uh, we never cower away from it. So, um, you know, it's one of those things we, we know we can get ripped apart. We go in and give it our all. And I do think we've developed that sort of reputation of, uh, you know, put, put somebody in front of us and, uh, we're going to give you a match and hopefully it's entertaining as hell for the fans, right? That's, that's what our goal is. We want to win, of course, but, uh, uh, we want the, the crowd to to have a smile on their face when we're done.
3: I love that. All right. So we've got uh, kind of a three-part question from Mario Cast, but I'm going to ignore one part of it. We're going to go into this. Um, so uh, do you think, based on what you saw right there at the side of the box, that Tantrum could have freed themselves off of that rail if you had left them alone?
4: Uh, my opinion is that match was not over. If we left them there, they would have been back on their wheels on their own terms. Fair enough. I still think that's true.
3: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, there, there's that's a lot of debate on the internet right now. I'd, I'd say about half of BattleBots internet uh, agrees with you on that. So for sure. Um, all right. So another one is, and I'm very curious about this one. How do you strategize against unconventional designs, which are so common now in BattleBots? Right. You've got huge. You've got mammoth. You've got Smee. Um, so what are your thoughts going into the bot, the box against designs like that?
4: Yeah, it's it's a tough question, right? Um you know, people talk about tombstone as 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 somebody that we all design for. It's true. We all we all think at length of like how the heck do we go in against a tombstone and survive, survive let alone win, right? Um and then the hard thing in this game is versatility. Um and I I seem I believe we have reasonably good versatility, but having a machine that's good against everybody is really difficult. Um, You know, so we're, we're trying to make a machine that's rugged, runs well. I think reliability is a, a big part that we'd been lacking in the past uh, that we've dialed in. And uh, like I said, I, I I do believe that our versatility is high. And I think we pose a difficult problem for most opponents. I, I don't know. You guys are in the sport too. I don't know if you think that's a reasonable comment or not, but I don't think anyone looks at us as a, a cakewalk. Not, not that we're going to damage them, but I don't think anyone looks at us as a cakewalk. Uh, th- they'd love to to match up with us um, as an easy win.
3: No, I don't think anybody looks at you guys as a cakewalk, especially people with uh, high kinetic energy weapons. They know they're going to be going in there and smacking into a really devastating armor package and possibly damaging themselves, so... Yeah, no, nobody's looking at you guys like that for sure. Um, so we've got an interesting question from Beetleweight Builder Kikoto Main. He wants you to confirm or deny something. So I believe I heard a rumor somewhere that if Lucky was to use 100% of its power, it could launch an opponent into the ceiling, but if it were to miss, this action would destroy its own frame. Is this true, and under what circumstances would you deem it necessary to risk performing this theoretically god-level flip?
4: Yeah, I saw that question on the, the thread, actually. I thought it was a good one. So um, we've always had more power in reserve that we've never shown. Um, we have developed the ruggedness in our weapon so that like, we can dial it to maximum power now and not break. And that was, that was years in testing and breaking and improving and testing and breaking and improving. Uh, so, we can dial it to full power now and, and not break. Uh, what that means is if we were to go into a match and, and fire full power, we'd have like four shots and we'd be out of air. So, you know, it's it, the idea is like a boxer. Um, you want to jab to set up your, your you know, if you were looking at uh, Mortal Kombat, you're, you know, basically your finishing move, right? um so the question is would we throw them into the ceiling probably not Uh, we we do have power to to make a considerable throw um i think if we can throw somebody 10 feet in the air and 15 feet forward that's probably the maximum that we'd be able to do uh, without changing or, or upping the power further but that's a pretty good throw um and and would it break ourselves the answer there has been yes we we pulled back and we we never used that haymaker and competition and after the 2019 season we put a lot of time into testing and we we literally dialed the pressure up the power up and dialed it up and dialed up and we we broke ourselves in the process and made improvements from there so the we have video i don't know if you've seen on the internet but you have the the 5,000 frames per second high speed and and you can see our weapon arm fracturing If, if i point it out to you you can see where we're actually breaking on the miss um and so that, 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 was true. Absolutely true.
3: That's kind of awesome actually. Um, all right. So we've got a question from Lindsay Urico. Um, she says, uh, since we are, pr- she says, since we are practically neighbors, what would you recommend as far as restaurant options out there in, uh, in Canada?
4: Hmm. So there's lots of options. I'm trying to think of an option that that would be unique to us. Um, I mean, the, the, the trite and, uh, well-known one is Tim Hortons for a coffee. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think what's unique to us. Um, if you're in Ottawa, I, I live close by to a, a pub called the Cheshire Cat. And that's uh, that's a special little English pub in Canada uh, a few miles from my house. And it's, it's uh, authentic, uh, really awesome um, English pub food, if you like that sort of thing. It's a one-of-a-kind, though, so it's not a chain.
3: Yeah, who doesn't love that kind of food? All right, fair enough. Um, yeah, she's over in Lake George, New York. So she's not too far from you there.
4: No, she's close. Yeah.
3: Um, so her other question is, how's your winter going?
4: Oh man, man, it's cold. (laughs) I'm, I'm in Silicon Valley this week, but, uh, it's, uh, I was saying this feels like the coldest winter in a long time. And somebody said it's, it's been a decade or so since it's been this cold. Um, it's all right. I mean, um, there's a couple of, a couple of days where, I had to change out of my shorts and wear pants, but it's mostly been a shorts kind of winter with a couple of exceptions.
3: I uh, take that with so many grains of salt, considering you guys up there in Canada are much tougher when it comes to cold weather than us down here. Um, All right, so we got a good question from Copperhead team member Chad New. Uh, It's a very important question. What octane of maple syrup do you run lucky on?
4: Chad, yeah, he knows the answer. We use use nothing but... Uh, ultra dark maple syrup and, uh, the amount that we vary is what gives us the, uh, the, the power levels that you see with, with lucky. Uh, we have this conversion tool called a combustivacator that converts the sugar in the maple syrup into, uh, vapor, high pressure vapor and, an explosion. And, uh, so we're, we're running 97 on the, uh, the maple syrup scale.
3: <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> All right. So we got a Ziggy related question from Chris Horry. He says, what's it like carrying on the legacy of Ziggy? Uh, but not only that other four bar lifters design such as uh, biohazard or storm two from robot wars, uh, you know, you're really carrying the four bar lifter flag these days. How does that feel?
4: Yeah, it, it feels good. I mean, um, biohazard was, was a legend of, of, its own. And, um, I think when we did Ziggy, I mean, I, I did see it as a tribute a little bit to, to biohazard and, and, uh, um that was an awesome like i they were the first super dominant team um and i I feel like with with ziggy we um we did right by the four bar lifter um i'll say this i i like it when i see comments about ziggy because that tells me that people have been going back through history or they were around when ziggy was was awesome right and um you know the the thing about where we're at now um with with uh, BattleBots is, you know, we I, I think we've shown a lot of potential. I don't think we've ever lived up to our full potential in in um, BattleBots in demonstrating what we can do. Uh, the field has gotten a lot more difficult and, and the skill level, the machines, the driving, everything is more destructive, everything. It's harder. Um, but I, I guess in terms of legacy, and I'm, I'm maybe drawing my own um, paths here, but when we were running Ziggy for a while, you know, we... We believed in the potential. I believed in the potential that Ziggy had, uh, well before we ever had a winning track record, right? And we we lived through failures and breakages and and dialing things in, with the belief that we could make this a winning machine. And then, as you quoted earlier, I think we ran you know three, four, or five years, something like that, undefeated at RoboGames once we got things working. And um, you know, so you know, we're carrying that forward. I, I still think we have something to prove with Lucky. Uh, but this is a game of, of uh, continuous improvement, and I think we still have more to show. Uh, hopefully, you, you keep paying attention and, and cheering for us. I'll say lastly, too, in terms of Ziggy, um, our fans have been really kind to us. We've been, uh, I'd call us mediocre at best, We're willing to go in and battle with everyone, anyone. Uh, but I don't love our track record. I, th- I feel like we should be better than that. And uh, we have a lot of fans that have been patient with us and, and have been watching out for us to do better. And uh, I love I love the support that we've seen from the fans and the patience and the belief in us. And not everyone's there, but the people that that are big fans of Ziggy and Lucky. Um, they've been really loyal, really patient and uh, it's it's recognized. Um, I just wanted to mention that.
3: I really appreciate that. Our next question comes from Mike Taylor. Uh, he says, please address the controversial topic of the year. And this is something we've actually discussed at length on this show, um, I think just like two episodes ago. Uh, so is Lucky a flipper, a dipper, a popper, a skeeter, or a yeeter? And I'm going to add one more to that. Is it a launcher?
4: Yeah, those are all good terms. Yeet's a good one. Uh, launch, launch is what I would like to to consider it. I mean, we often use the term flipper. Uh, but launch is what we want to do. We want to take somebody and and move them far across the arena.
3: I like that. I like that a lot. All right. So we've got a thought-provoking question from Tara Fisher. Your team always seems to bring new drivers and people to the sport every season. Is there anyone in particular that you'd like to have on the team that you haven't yet?
4: Huh. Uh, who would you like to have on the team? I mean, I, I do think we've had a little bit of a revol- revolving door on the team. Um, and And that's a little bit of, of maybe my style. Um, I'm a collaborator. Uh, I mean, when you, when you introduced me as the builder of Ziggy or lucky, whatever you call me, I'm not the builder. I mean, this is one of the fallacies of, of this game is that, um, at one time you could be a one-man builder and there are teams that are a one-man team. Uh, but we're not that we're, we're a big team with, with a lot of contributors. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that, has the connections I have a lot of friends um but I you know the the success and the construction of the machine is is really based on a distributed team uh so that's that's kind of the the intro Uh, is there anybody I'd like to have on the team that we haven't yet and I um I don't have an answer for that I mean Paul Ventimiglia is one of the best competitors in the world Uh, I don't think he's uh he wants to be a, a teammate. I think he's a, a leader. But if I could have a Paul or somebody like that, I would love to collaborate with somebody like that. Yeah, I
3: mean, you're the one that kind of brought uh, Rob Masick into BattleBots and he ended up running off with Paul. So that's, you know, one degree of separation there, right?
4: Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but I'll say Rob was a free agent before us too. I mean, I, Rob was with uh, Brian Nave before and he's been with other teams in the past and he's built his own machines. So I, I wouldn't... Uh, I wouldn't consider him uh, some of that we, we introduced. I mean, he was uh, a great guy, a uh, great guy to have on our team. The guy, I'll tell you this, Rob is ridiculously strong. I, I mean, he's got things that he hand tightened. Nobody can get apart. Like there's stuff on the old lucky frame we can't get off just because Rob is is a superhero. So, anyway, all that being said, yeah, Rob was a fun guy to have around. He's, uh, I think every team that's ever had him is, is better for it. Um, that's good. Um, you know and i i i don't have any specific wishes but i th- i think it's a neat concept
3: one of my favorite things about him is it doesn't matter what team he's on he's still wearing the overalls it doesn't matter if the rest of the teams wearing red jumpsuits like you guys or you know team t-shirts it doesn't doesn't matter he's still wearing those carhartt overalls everywhere he goes <laughs>
4: Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I'll say I want to say one thing about collaborating. Uh, this is an interesting thing. We've had different people drive over the years, and this was part of the question that maybe I didn't answer specifically. But um, one of the best drivers I remember from the RoboGames days uh, is Mike Phillips, and uh, he was an RC guy. He flew RC helicopters, and when he like in my my view back in that time frame, he was the best guy that I had ever seen in terms of control. Uh, on the sticks. And what was interesting, he would drive for us. Uh, he drove, I think only one match, but he would drive for us once in a while in exhibition or even just in the driveway. Um, things like that. And, and we've had different drivers. Curtis drove for us. Uh, Mark Liu drove for us at Robo Games. Uh, Gary Jin, um, myself, Matt. And, and what's interesting for me is, You know, we built Lucky and Ziggy. I had this notion in mind of how the configuration's going, and we built it to drive a certain way, and we drive it because it's built a certain way. So these are all sort of preconceived ideas based on the genesis of the machine, right? Well, what's interesting for me is when I see somebody else drive it a different way, um, it really changes my perspective. I think watching Mark Liu uh, drive Lucky at RoboGames was, was, it's different than I would have driven it, for example. It uh, doesn't mean it's wrong. It was eye opening for me to see somebody take a different approach. And um, a lot of a lot of those things when anyways, it's it's really cool to see somebody else use your your machine and, and uh, apply their experience in a different manner.
3: That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think the most famous driver you've had on the team thus far has been Gary Jinn. Um, but yeah, Mark Lee is awesome that you have had some great people that you've collaborated with on this team. That is very, very true. Um, all right, so we want to wrap up with some good questions from Richard Sum. Uh, so he says, gonna ask one robot-related question and some Canadian questions so I can fulfill the uh, CanCon Can Con quota of the show. So he said, first, what are your best stories that you could share from your super heavyweight Ziggy?
4: Uh, there's a lot of them. I'll I'll say that the best, the best story that we have, and this is this this continues to today, uh, is the tournament where we ran uh, Ziggy against Gladiator and the Judge, because when I watched the show on TV, I I saw Gladiator in person in season was season four, season five. I saw him go against Trimangle and and mess him up. Like Gladiator was a legend that I I appreciated and loved, um, and I, I remember watching when we were going into that. There were years where. Uh Ziggy was starting to develop a reputation as a pretty decent machine. And people go, people were saying, well, hey, if they ever faced off against Vladiator, Ziggy wouldn't have a chance. And there was a debate, you know, you know, who would win and everything else. And nobody would ever know if they never matched up. And we went into a tournament where we faced off against Vladiator and the judge in the same weekend. And we beat them both. And it was like one of those. <coughs> I had belief that we could do it. I wasn't sure if we could, but I believed we could. And uh, coming out of that with uh, wins over Vladiator and the judge, I mean, that was absolutely um, a dream come true for for me and and the team.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's how you really cement your legend status in there, right? Like, that's pretty impressive. (laughs) Yeah. All right, next question from Richard Sum. So what is your favorite Canadian slang that you think more of our friends in the States should know?
4: I'll I'll start off with one that's not. Um, when when you watch the old Bob and Doug McKenzie stuff and they say uh, "hoser," I mean that was totally fabricated. No one ever said "hoser." No one ever called anyone "hoser." That was that was a funny thing that um, they they sort of exploited the the lack of knowledge of Canadians. So that's one that we don't ever use. Um, a is something that we use a lot. I don't do it on purpose, um, but it does. Come up in our vocabulary an awful lot, and I like it actually. It's um, it's one of those things. I mean, in uh, in the U.S. in certain areas, people will say "huh" at the end of a sentence. But I I find that when um, you know, it, it's um, it's one of those comments at the end of a sentence which seeks uh, um, agreement, right? So it's like, hey, that was a good match, eh? So I'm I'm suggesting to you that I want your opinion that you agree or not but you know it's it's one of those um i think it's a subtle canadian thing but i i i kind of i kind of like it i wish more people would use it
3: it's uh it is one of my favorite canadianisms there was a i remember being a kid i was at this like uh this competition uh, with all these different high schools and there was a team there from canada and uh, just for funsies we were playing basketball after the competition was over and these canadian kids just kicked our butts just wiped the floor with us And I remember this guy on the team who did not look like a basketball player in in any way, but he was very, very good at getting three-point shots. He ran past me and he just said, it's not just hockey, eh? (laughs) And I will never forget that in my entire life. It was just one of the funniest moments.
4: That's awesome. That sounds like a great (laughs) Canadian quote. Yeah, that's awesome.
3: (laughs) Um, all right. So what is the best Canadian food that they they don't have in the States that we should get in the States like
5: right now?
4: Oh, there's there's a few of them. There's not a lot, but there's certain things. And I don't understand why this happens. Um, I'll I'll tell you one. This is not necessarily one that's awesome. But we we get milk. It comes in bags. Don't ask me why. But you get a bag of milk in Canada. Uh, we, we buy four liters and there's there's basically you know, I, I don't get it. And I don't understand why we have it and they don't have it in the States. That's a mystery. Um, there is one item and we we brought to um, BattleBots this year. We bought ketchup chips. So these are like Lay's potato chips, ketchup flavor. And I don't know why of that either, but we have them in Canada and they don't in the US. And uh, we brought bags and bags and bags of ketchup chips. And it was funny because some of the production crew... Knew somebody like some of them were Canadians, some of them knew Canadians, but it was funny when we had the ketchup chips out. We had these people come over and go, "Oh my god, I haven't had ketchup chips in so long!" And so it was. Uh, it's one of those mystery things. I can't explain it, but um, that's that's something that we get in Canada that you don't get in the U.S.
3: Um, that sounds perfect. And my daughter, who pretty much only eats ketchup these days, would be really into that. So I, I appreciate the heads up. I might be calling some friends in Canada to get those shipped in. So Mark, I got to tell you it's a pleasure to talk to you. I've been uh, a fan of Ziggy and a big fan of uh of Lucky for a long time and it's just so nice to have you um with us. And you know what? I got to say I'm so happy for the success your team has had this year. I can only wish you guys more success in your next fight and I can't wait to see you uh in that round and I hope you get into the round of 32. Uh, we're just pleased as punch to see how well you're doing. It's just great. We're looking forward to seeing you in the battle box again soon.
4: Thanks. Thanks for the support. We appreciate it. Our fans have been awesome. Uh, the other builders have been awesome this year too. There's a lot of teams that came out this year and said, Hey, uh, changes are subtle, but we, we like what, like what you're doing. So, uh, we, we put a lot of effort into it this year. I mean, we always do, but, um, we might've done some of the, the, the subtle things, right. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty pleased with how this, uh, this is going, too. And uh, our intentions are, are coming true, I guess, uh, with the efforts we made.
1: After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World.
2: Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week, we're traveling to Virginia, where researchers at Virginia State have built a robot that can transform from a car to a flying drone and back to a car again without the use of motors or servos. This new soft robot uses rubber, metal, and heat to morph between its various states. The team injected metal with a low melting point into a rubber endoskeleton and heated the metal up to 140 degrees Fahrenheit to change its shape. In a different experiment, they built a robot that was able to fly, land on water, and transform into a submarine. The technology could be used in the future to build self-healing soft robots or robotic wearables. Is there any chance that we can get a (laughs) a soft Jaeger so that way we can truly beat the kaiju?
1: You know, when I think of uh, soft, self-healing robots, I think of Virginia.
3: But why?
1: Of Virginia's for lovers.
0: Oh my god, Chris. Chris, there are children (laughs) listening to this (laughs) episode. Come on! Nicole, cut that out!
2: I don't like this.
3: This is like this is like an early 90s Disney movie, though, Luke. This would go over any kid's head as long as you don't point out that it's not inappropriate. All
0: right, kids, it's normal. It's normal. This is a normal robot. Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't ask your parents about it, or else We're going to get canceled, kids. <laughs> Why is Luke's first reaction
1: always to point out something that could be slightly misrepresented? <laughs> All I said was that when I think about <laughs> soft Self-healing robots, I think about Virginia, because Virginia is for lovers. Chris? Maybe it's the rubber endoskeleton,
0: all right? Maybe it's the soft self-healing component. I am blushing so hard right now, Chris, please.
2: This is not the type of uh, Valentine's Day conversation I was expecting. (laughs) I'm getting replaced by a soft endoskeleton.
1: You know, well... You know, maybe it is just the holiday, but when I think about morphing between various (laughs)
2: states. (laughs) No, no.
1: And that's about it for us today. Uh, We want to thank Nicole for editing this week's episode and Nelly Daily bot Captain Sarah for providing our amazing new outro music. We'll be back in your feed next Wednesday with another mystery guest. We'll see you then, folks.
2: Bye. Bye. Happy birthday, Sarah.
3: Enjoy yourself, healing soft robots of doom. <laughs> <laughs> there once was a bot who's from the sea. The name of the bot was the crocodile.
2: Two weeks from shore, when out did come her metal jaw.
3: The captain called all hands and swore he'd take that spinner in tow. <gasps> Soon may the spearman come to knock her teeth right from her
2: gums. One day when the fighting is done, she'll take.